This is episode number 677 with Leslie Odom Jr. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said that perseverance is a great element of success. If you only knock long enough and loud enough at the gate, you are sure to wake up somebody. Welcome to the podcast today. We have the incredible, the loving, the inspiring Leslie Odom Jr., who is an actor and singer. He's performed on Broadway and in television and film. And he's released two solo jazz albums. He is known for originating the role of Aaron Burr in the Broadway musical Hamilton, which was a mega hit success that is taking over the world currently today. And a performance which he won the 2016 Tony Award for Best Actor in a Musical and the Grammy Award for Best Musical Theater Album as a Principal Vocalist. He has been on several TV shows, films, and is author of the book, Failing Up. And wow, we go into some serious inspiration today. I loved connecting with him. I wish we had more time because this is amazing. Make sure to take a screenshot of this, post it on your Instagram story, tag myself, Lewis Howes, and Leslie Odom Jr., put it on Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Things we cover today are the advice Leslie got from his mentor when he was about to quit and give it all up in acting. Also, how to combat fear of failure once you've tasted success and big status. How to mentally prepare for a huge opportunity when the whole world is watching you. We talk about that. How to be an advocate for yourself and your talent, even when no one else is for you. And why it's good to be the worst in your class. This one, I'm telling you guys, it's really juicy. And uh, I really think you're going to love this one. Big shout out to the fan of the week, Lindsay Capel, who said... I first discovered podcasts when I made the decision to move away from my home state and start a new life. I was driving for Uber in between jobs and came across this podcast. Now this podcast is part of my daily routine. I make breakfast and listen to this. It sets a positive tone for the day. I appreciate your inspiration, drive, and of course, this podcast. Lindsay, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It always is inspiring to know that it's funny. I've been in Ubers and Lyfts and actually people are listening to the podcast as I get in there. And so many people send me messages when they're in an Uber or a Lyft that uh, their driver is listening as they are in the back seat driving to their next destination. So it's always fun. I really appreciate that. And a big thank you to all the Lyft and Uber drivers who are listening when they have customers writing in with them. And if you guys want to leave a review, you can always go to the Apple podcast section and leave a review right there. Before we dive into this episode, which I'm telling you guys is really powerful. And without further ado, we've got the most incredible guest on today. Here we go. Leslie Odom Jr. (laughs) 
We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We have the legendary Leslie Odom Jr. in the house. Good to see you, Good sir. Good to see you, Lewis. Glad you're here. Thanks, man. Now that I know we're neighbors, hopefully I'll run into you more often. Yeah, man. Congrats on everything, man. It's been amazing to see your journey. I was just telling you off camera about how I first found out about you from the video called Seriously, a song you sang that Sarah Bareilles wrote a couple years back. We'll have it linked up in the show notes. But the way you sang this song, for whatever reason, just resonated with me. I didn't even know you were the Hamilton guy. I didn't know everything that you'd done before. But the way that you showed up, your way of being was so profound for me. I listened to it a hundred times plus, and it just moved me. So I appreciate you for your voice and for your ability to connect an idea with people. It's really powerful. Yeah. And you've got this book. Failing Up, How to Take Risks, Aim Higher, and Never Stop Learning. Make sure you guys pick it up. Christine read it in about an hour and a half. She said she couldn't stop reading it and uh, diving in. So it's really powerful. And I wanted to dive into some of your your lessons in this because you had a journey where you kind of had some success early on. You were on Broadway as a teenager, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. But then for about 10-ish years, you were kind of working a little bit as an actor but never really breaking through and there was a moment where you thought maybe you'd end it. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was I was out here in L.A. I came here. Um, I never thought I would come here. But after college, I had some response out here in Los Angeles. So I came out to try my hand at it. And, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it was, you know, so new. It was a new... I didn't know anybody on TV. I didn't know really anybody in entertainment growing up. So, I, you know, I never saw myself doing TV and movies and stuff. Because you sang, right? You were I a sang, singer. yeah, I sang. And then you said Broadway when I was, I did a show called Rent when I was a teenager. And so. It's a small show. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know, I, I, saw, I saw the line from me in Philadelphia to me on stage. You know, I could see how to make that happen. This jump out here, I never saw. So anyway, I was out here and. I'm sure your audience has heard it's a challenging business. Yeah. It's a difficult business. And it, and it was getting me down. And the, basically the central lesson in the book is sort of the, the words and advice that I got from my mentor and that changed my life and, and led me back to theater and yeah. everything in a, in a fuller, greater way. How important are mentors in your life? They're everything. They're surrogate parents mm-hmm. in a way. You know, your parents can only... You know, we only allow them to take us so far. There's a lot of reasons why that is, you know, but where your parents leave off, your mentors and teachers can kind of, you know, help to complete and supplement your education and these life lessons and things that, that, you know, are just really valuable. I've had a handful that have been meant so much to me. Yeah. Who is the most influential mentor in your life? Well, today... It's hard for me to say the most influential. I mean, there's been five or six yeah. in my life. So it's not like there's sure. so, there's been about five or six real ones in my life that most of them are still around, thank God, you know, and so they they continue to, I don't have it all figured out by any yeah, means, yeah. you know, so I still, I check in with them, you know, when I have, you know, when I'm at crossroads or, you know, I have a, a major decision to make or even, you know, 
it's really helpful to process with someone where you are, you know, to look at the book and or look at the the movie Project, that I've done. Yeah, song, it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you think of that? Did I meet, you know where I, what I've been working on and where I was. They sort of can help chart your growth in a really useful way yeah. too. What do you think is the biggest lesson you learned from one of your mentors? The one that I write about in the book was, you know, I was, um, I turned 30, which is, you know, a big deal. I'm, did you, did you think term. that was a big, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 30, a lot of things shifted for me. Well, first off, when I looked at kids, I looked at them differently. When I hit 30, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I felt something different when I saw, like, a one- or two-year-old. Right. In a different way. Right. Not like these are annoying little kids, but like, oh, I could see this one day. Right. I don't know if you felt that. Well, I think what tripped me out was, like, <laughs> financially, I was still such a kid. You know, financially, I really Were you didn't. in debt still or no? I was in debt. Really? And I had no stability, you know, in this, in this profession. I had no... Do many artists have stability? No. And you have to reckon with that. You know, and so at 30, I was reckoning with like, am I comfortable with this? And the if, uncertainty financially, mm-hmm. constantly. If, mm-hmm. yeah. if I'm comfortable with it now at 29 going to 30, am I going to be comfortable at 39 going into 40? Mm. At 49 going into 50? Because there's no certainty that you're going to get some big gig because for 10 years, yeah, it's been uncertain. So that's what I, you know, you talk about seeing kids. I mean, I could, you know, I was like, how will I ever pay a mortgage? How will I ever take on these responsibilities if it's always like this what's going to change about this right and i was not ready to, i was not willing to sign up for another decade like that i just i just wasn't you know so you were already in your mind like something's got to pop and it's got to work now and i got to start making money or i got to go find something else i just said i have to grow up i just have to grow up i have to be able to pay my bills because it was the, the high highs and the low, low those those lows are low man dark they're dark and they can go for a long time, where there's not a gig or <laughs> it's ugly. Or you could you could book a pilot and think I'm gonna make all this money. You already think oh, I'm making 15, 20 grand an episode, and then it gets dropped, right. and you get nothing. Nothing. But six months of your life was built into this one thing. Yeah. You couldn't audition for other things. So it was like I couldn't. You talk about the you know the, there is a certain picture or whatever that you're trying to see when you hit these milestones, be it. 25, 30, mm-hmm. 35, 40, whatever they are for you, you know what I mean? And you assess, you look at where you are and you're like, does this look like what I imagined it to look like? Mm. And it didn't for you. <laughs> no. And so what did you what did you do? A mentor of mine, Stuart K. Robinson, out here in LA, he's a brilliant. He was an acting coach for many years, brilliant businessman, a life coach, really. He's, you know, one of my mainstays. Mm-hmm. I met with him for career counseling really you know i really was not i wasn't looking to him to like hey help me stay an actor it's like Mm. you know my skills that i have what else can i do you were already out the door you know i apply i was applying at a hotel no right yeah right over here to be a night clerk you know not not too far from where we are right now wow yeah i was you know i was like i don't necessarily want to be a a night clerk but is is it the hospitality industry is it being an executive at a network i mean what casting i mean what what do i transition to and he said he listened to me and he said okay listen you can quit and we can talk about that there are ways that i can help you do that for sure Mm -hmm. but i'd love to see you try first wow i'd love to see you try before you quit weren't you already trying for a decade 
This is after a decade. You're right. I, so I'm looking at him like he's insane. And he he says, well, I think what you're doing, if I'm hearing you correctly, is you're sitting at home and you're waiting for the phone to ring. And when the phone rings, you show up and you do a great job. You put on a nice outfit. You show up. You're affable. You're a nice guy. You're prepared. And when the call comes in, you can deliver. And a lot of times, you know, you can turn that into an opportunity for yourself, but the phone didn't ring today, right? So what did you do today Wow. for yourself in the absence of a ringing phone? Did you call anyone? Did you read anything? Did you write anything? Did you email anybody? Do people that you've worked with, do, do they even know you're out of work? Have you reached out to the people you've already worked with? He said, you got a pretty nice voice. You're not singing at all. He said, do you know that there are coffee shops in Los Angeles that would love to have you play wow. the lunch hour? Wow. You can get a little band together and play the lunch hour. He just made me aware of all, I was sitting in my apartment in West Hollywood, like waiting for the phone to ring. Wow angry that it wasn't ringing, not understanding why it wasn't ringing and why I hadn't proven myself enough that these opportunities weren't coming to me. And what he did was he got me off my couch. And so since that day, I haven't stopped working since I did that. That was six years ago. I haven't stopped working. Six, in six years, years ago. I haven't stopped working in six <clears throat> years. Six years. Because there is a healthy amount of incoming calls, but I'm never waiting for the incoming call ever. I'm just, even today. Even today. You're proactively I'm just, creating the life you want. 100%. I'm never, ever waiting for somebody to call me ever again. After that lunch, it was like I left that lunch like, oh my God, what have I been doing? You know, I was ignoring, as a freelance business person, I was ignoring at least half mm-hmm. of my business. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. More than that, I mean, you were probably doing auditions, what, two times a week on sure. average? So you're waiting for a callback on these auditions, which there's a hundred other guys who are auditioning as well. They probably only call three people or whatever. Yeah. That's a hard game to play. Yeah. That was what I needed to hear. I love that, that NDRE quote, right? You know the truth by the way it feels. I knew that thing was, you know, that he was telling me something true. So you were already on the way out though. You were already checked out, done, tired of doing auditions, tired of waiting for the phone to ring yeah. and said... I'm done, give me help on how do I can get a job. Yeah. So one thing he said to you reignited the fire inside of you to say, all right, I'm gonna try for six months or something. What I talk about in the book is it, it's really not about necessarily even having, leaving a lunch like that or, or today starting something and having a list of 50 things. If you feel yourself inactive, if you feel yourself sitting on that, symbolically even, you are sitting on your couch, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing. Yeah. You know, it really is as simple as um, sort of, you know, a spiritual guide too. And I I just really believe that if you take one step, the universe will meet you where you are and help you take two. Wow. You will be aided. You will be, it responds to that. The world, people around you, the it responds to your action. It responds to you doing one simple thing. I love this. I just did this movie about time travel, and a friend of mine posted this quote in the middle of you know me doing this movie about how a lot of people 
think and imagine time travel, right, as going back in time, getting the opportunity to go back in time to change one thing mm-hmm. that radically affects your, whole life. your life, right? If I would have just went over and introduced myself at that moment, or if I would have just picked up the phone at that moment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But very rarely do we think about the little thing we can do today that's right going to radically affect. Mm. We think about going back in that one... You can do the little thing today. What is the little thing you can do today? That your future self would wish you would have done. Yeah. Wow. And so what were those things that you started to do over the next few weeks? The first thing was, Stu at the time taught this class for 25, 30 years. He's, he acting just, class, right? Mm-hmm, he just stopped teaching it. It was a commercial acting class. And I was, you know, I was a classically trained actor. You know, I went to... Carnegie Mellon University and, and, you know, done pretty well. So commercial acting, it's literally acting for commercials. You know, it's, it's, it's Crest commercials and Taco Bell right. and car commercials. It is not always glamorous, it's right? Style, it's a format. It's a, yeah. And it's sometimes it's looked down. Yeah, but it, right. It's sometimes looked down upon. You ain't winning no Oscars right. for commercial work, right? There's some good money in those gigs. Okay. Great money. Stu taught a commercial acting class, which, you know, is can be looked at a certain way. So, But Stu said, hey, come take my class. Come take my advanced class. You're not doing anything, right? So let's start there. Come next week. It's a six-week class. Come take my advanced. I hadn't taken an acting class since I'd been out of school almost a decade. Wow. So I slept on it, and I said, he's offering me something. I'm going to take the beginning class. I'm going to start. I'm not doing anything. You're a trained professional. Yeah. I've been on Broadway and everything, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to start at the beginning. Wow. Commercial acting class with Stu. And I, if it takes me six months to get through all of the curriculum, of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll work my way up to advanced or whatever, you know. I took two classes. The very first class changed my life. By the second class, I didn't finish the six week course because I started working so much. You just started getting gigs right away? Right immediately. And it was what I was learning, but I also think that it was was the universe responding to the fact that I was doing anything. And the energy you were putting out there. Absolutely. So it was going to reward you. Yes. I felt it. I mean, it was... um, Now, were you proactively calling people at that time, or just the act of you doing that, people started to respond? What happened was I took the class, like the class was the immediate action that I took. So like the next week, say, I was in class. Mm It was a three-hour class, and when I tell you, I mean, the bells and whistles that were going on off in my head during this class, you know, I... I like there what? Was a, what was going on? There was one exercise that we did. There was one exercise that we did where it's a class of like 25 people, and most of the people are new to L.A. These are, you know, these are mm. very, very green Fresh. people. All different ages, you know, because commercial work employs all different mm-hmm. sizes, all different types of people. These are moms whose kids are finally out of the house. These are teenagers, teena- you know, kids, all beginners. Different, beginners, right? From all over the country. You're thinking to myself, what am I doing here? <laughs> what am I doing here? A little, bit, a little yeah. bit. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy 
place to start, and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So one of the first exercises Stu does is two things in that class, the very first class that like blow my mind. Number one, he says, he hips us to the numbers that are involved in the commercial world. So Pepsi Cola wants to do a new ad campaign. I'm gonna get this wrong. Right. But PepsiCola wants to do a new ad campaign. How much do you think they're gonna spend on a new ad campaign? Just just so you, you know, what do you think? Millions. What do you think? On a whole campaign, sure. nationwide? Sure. 50 to 100 million. Oh, you should have taken the class. Right. You're exactly right. But some are probably thinking, uh, we're thinking five million, right, small. 15 million, 20 million, right, you know, right. these are the answers that he's getting. We had no idea that the numbers that were yeah. 50 to 100 million dollars. So there's a there's a line. There's a lot of money in it. There's a line out in LA that you hear, you know, they don't know what they want. Commercial, you know, you go in for these commercial auditions and they don't know what they want. And Stu says to us, so we're spending 50 to 100 million dollars on an ad campaign. <laughs> don't you don't what... think we know what we want? <laughs> right. We know exactly what we want. We just don't want to tell you. Yeah. Wow. We don't want to have to tell you. We expect you to know what we want. Right. Like he's shattering like a myth, an LA myth. This is this is what pe- actors tell themselves yeah. in LA that they don't know what they want. Wow. We know exactly what we want. And we spent 50 to 100 million dollars. So right there it's like number 1 respect us. Mm. Respect what you're coming in for. You know, yeah, it's a Jetta commercial. We've spent 50 million dollars on it. Yeah. A lot so, more than a TV show. You got to have a certain amount of respect when you're going in for something like that. If you're trying to be a partner, if you're trying to be a business partner with these with these people, if you're trying to fulfill. We have a need today, and you've come in to f- right. fulfill our need. Yeah. So when Stu would talk about the research involved in a commercial audition, okay, like figure out who we are, what commercials have we done in the past, who mm. what, what who are we? What's you know, our brand ethos? What do we stand for? What's our message? Yeah. <laughs> because if you're trying to book these commercials, and I was, like you said, you know, the commercial, I mean, this was, I wasn't eating. You know what I mean? Like, this is my rent money. You know, I want to collaborate with these people. He was just telling us all the ways that, like, we were not respecting this industry. He's like, it is very easy for you to go from, you feel like you're going in, you're rolling the dice. He's, he's, it's very easy for you to book these things. You know what I mean? You, these are the ways. Follow the steps, do the training, show up prepared. I booked like two national commercials the next week. No way. I promise you. Just by following the, the principles. Just by respecting the industry. Then, so then what I thought, Lewis, was okay, so now I'm applying this to commercial acting. To be honest, I haven't been applying this to my other auditions. Wow. I haven't been applying applying you know this kind of respect when you get an audition for a, a CBS show. Who are the creators? What other work have they done? Who is ABC? If you're not self-made, if you're not listen, if you're if you're producing your own work, if you're writing your own books and you're making your own content, do you don't think? have to do that. Yeah. I was at the time I was an auditioning actor. I wanted to collaborate with people and. I was not holding up my end of the bar. You knew the rules of being a good actor or a great actor, but you didn't know the rules of the game of booking the gigs. No. And it's a whole different art. Yeah. It's a whole different performance that you have to do and preparation to get ready to still, step in. Right? Oh, yeah. I was still sort of working by accident. almost. You know what I mean? Right. Because you had talent. Yeah. 
but you could have booked a lot more, it, it sounds like, yeah. and you started to I once did. you learned the rules of the game I did. of booking. Yeah. Not just there was that, and then there was the, the other lesson that he, I'm trying to get him so bad to start his yeah. brand of helping, because he continues to teach and like get me out of my own way. The other thing, that he, he had this exercise where everybody in the class would get up, and it was, he said we were auditioning for a toothpaste commercial, and so um, some commercial auditions, they can really feel <laughs> like there's like there's nothing not not much to hang on to. Right. So he except for that big check at the end. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So he had groups of like six or seven go up in front of the class, line up, and Stu was behind a camera and he would go down the line and he would ask you a question. What's your favorite dessert? And you'd answer the what's your name, first of all? On camera. On yeah. camera. What's your favorite dessert? And then he'd go to the next person. What's the what's your name? What's the last great vacation you went on? Mm-hmm. Right? Went down the line, then the next six or seven people. And in the class, I'm watching everybody do it, and I'm trying to form, you know, I'm forming my own. I wonder what Stu's looking for. I know what I'm like, you know, God, people are so green, and, you know, I mean, what's, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to gauge who I think is the best and who's not. I thought I, I did pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. it's my name and answer a question. I can do that. So then he gets to everybody in the class, and <laughs> He does this thing where he said, you know, sometimes we've got a lot of things to do in a commercial casting office, and the thing that we're looking for is going to show up. It's not about what you actually say. So we sometimes watch these things with the sound off. Wow. So he turns the sound off, and we watch it back. Blew your mind, probably, Blew what you saw. Mind. Because you probably thought you said something interesting and your tone was so powerful and flowed, but how was your body language and your facial expression and the smile and the eyes? And the, the light, the mm. light inside. What mood are you actually, it's not about what are you actually creating in the viewer? You know, what do I actually feel watching? And some of those green people, those people that are just crushed, probably. They, because they were. Mm. Because they were love and they were light and they were joy. And they, so it's like, mm, it doesn't matter what you said. It doesn't matter that you didn't say the right thing. I would call them back. That's what beginner's luck is. Because they don't know. That's what beginner's luck is. They're being this passionate, joyful person. They're excited to be there. They want to have, they want to express themselves. Yeah. They're not jaded. They're not angry. They're not trained. They're not trained. They're not sad. They're not, you know what I mean? All those things that over time, you know, the heartbreaks and the and the rejection and all that stuff, you know, that's what I saw when I saw myself. And I saw it immediately. What did you see? I saw somebody, and I understood him, but I saw somebody that had something to offer, but wanted you to let him know that it was okay to bring it. Let me know that it's safe. First, and then I'll give you everything that I have. Make me feel safe first. So it's guarded. I don't have time to make you feel safe. <laughs> right. I don't have time to make you feel safe. Commercial director or booker, they need to know who's going to be go. great right now. Let's go. Right? And so I was in my own way. Wow. The rejection, the heartache, all that shit was in my way. And so the mantra that I had after that, I said, I'm going to come rushing forward in every single room that I'm in. If you don't want to hire me, that's okay. There's someone behind you that's going to, though, so move. It's not you. Thank you very much. Is it you? I have something to bring today. I have something to offer. It's not you. Who is it? Wow. 
I'm not going to let that make me cagey or hide or all that stuff. You know what I mean? I had to. So those two things, respecting who I was going in for and coming rushing forward in every room, I haven't stopped working in six years. Wow. Do you feel like you kind of lost that in your your 20s where you were more hesitant? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's what I saw. That was a result of... You gave yourself feedback. You're like, okay, if I was a casting director, this person has low energy, they're insecure, or whatever it was. They weren't certain. They weren't passionate. When I went on that rent audition when I was 16 years old... Fired up. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know any different. Beginner's luck. I booked the first thing I ever did. You know, that's beginner's luck. I wasn't afraid of anything. Yeah. Bring it on. Right. <laughs> you know, I didn't have any heartache. I didn't have any, there was nothing to be jaded about. What about now? Since you have been working for six years in a row, you've got the uh, Tony Awards, you've got the, you know, performing with the president, all these things have happened. Yeah. Now you do have something to lose, potentially. Yeah. You could think that way. Oh, yeah. How do you show up with that same passion and drive when, if you get rejected, maybe it'll hurt even more? Oh, yeah. That's the work. That's the work you have to do. Because yeah, there is more to lose now. I got a got a wife. I got a kid. I got reputation. Yeah. yeah, you know, like these things in life, and yeah, they can kill your. They can kill your art. That fear, that worry, those kinds of things can. They can ruin a good career. They can ruin a good instrument. That's the work. That's why you keep honest people around you. You stay honest with yourself. You look at that stuff. It's hard to do, but I watch my work. I listen to my work. Really? That's oh hard. God. I can't listen to myself back. Oh, it's awful. It's <laughs> it's awful. But it's like, you know, it's you got to check in with yourself to go, where can I improve? That's not quite right. And that's the work. Wow. What do you say to yourself, I think about before performing at the Super Bowl or a big moment like that? How, oh, do, you, how do you bring it with poise and passion and love and light and the not Super- worry? The Super Bowl was... I don't know when when I'm given an opportunity like that it's a re- it's a blessing right it's a real it's a real blessing you're given even for a minute a minute and 30 seconds you're given a platform they're giving you or that you're borrowing a platform because it ain't my platform right. it's you know but they're giving you and so yeah you come up against it who are you <laughs> what do you have to say i mean they it really is borrowing platform because they didn't tell me how I should arrange that song yeah. or no, what I should wear or what what my vibe should be, all that kind of stuff. And so you have the chance to say what you intend to say. And so what is the what is the feeling that you're trying to create in people? What do, what do you want to say? So in that moment I wanted to honor, I had some people in my in my life, in the world, you know, I want I wanted to honor. I wanted to, you know, make some people proud and who are those people you were thinking about? Well, I think that it's been the NFL, as we all know, you know, there's been some players, Mm -hmm. some professionals that have been really trying to use their platform. They're getting penalized for it. Then this season, it looks like, yeah, some of them are gonna. You were thinking of them? I was thinking of them. I was thinking of my ancestors. Mm. I was thinking of uh, my ancestors in this country and without without sugarcoating it, not necessarily, I can't all the way answer what they would feel about me standing up singing a song like America the Beautiful, right? I don't know, but these are the questions that I'm asking. This is what I wonder. This is who I have to keep in mind. 
in a moment like that. Does that make sense? And so when you stand up in a moment like that, you haven't necessarily answered all the questions, but the fact that you're asking them brings a certain integrity to the work, brings a, you know, it means that you're not going to get up there. I can curse, right? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, like my mom was, you know, you're not going to get up there and show your ass. Right. Because you have people that have made a moment like this possible. You have people that you owe a certain amount of dignity to. You know, gratitude, gratitude, you know, so so it's just asking questions like that. How do I make this song? How do I arrange this song? They they told me they wanted me to sing with these with the with a choir of children. How do I? That's all they told me. But what is the arrangement? What is the sound of it? How do I imbue this moment with all of these things that I'm feeling? That's it. That's the gig. What did you say to yourself right before the lights turned on and? You were standing there in front of the mic and blackout. <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> you don't focus on the. You don't focus on the. How many people watch the Super Bowl every year? What is it? hundred million. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's something yeah, like that. Something like that. You don't focus on the hundred million. You don't even focus on the sixty-six thousand or whatever. You know, in this room, you know, there's a camera. I tried to do an intimate thing. Yeah, you think know, of you, one person or yeah, five people. Right. You've got to. Yeah. Make it small. These are the people I can see right here mm-hmm. in my in my vision. There's a camera right there. You know, how do I make this? You know, it's interesting you say that because as a when I speak on stage and if I'm in front of doesn't matter if it's 500 or 10,000 people when I'm speaking, I used to get really nervous back in the day. And then someone told me, I said, "What do I do when I'm just nervous and I feel like I'm blanking out or I'm forgetting something or I messed up? What's the secret?" And this is a guy who performs in front of. Uh, 20, 30,000 people speaking every week. He's in his Phil Town. And he said, whenever I feel like I'm losing myself or the audience, I focus on one person. And I'll connect with that one person and think about what their life is like and what they're going through and connecting the message to just that one person. And by doing that in an intimate way, I usually connect with the whole room. And so I started to do that and I realized, wow, so much power in presence and intimacy with a few people as opposed to how do I captivate the whole world or the whole room, but really how do I focus on what a few people might be going through and speak to them. And it sounds like you were thinking that, how do I you know, connect with a few of the players who maybe have stood up yeah. or taken the knee or you know, yeah. however you want to say it, and a few of my family members or people like that. These kids behind me, you know, what, what, example, mm. am I, what example am I to them right now in this moment? Because they're going to feed off my energy. You know, I was in front of like 11 and 12 year olds. What do I want to show them about courage and integrity in this moment? Mm -hmm. You said something in here I I highlighted. You have to be both a harsh critic and a strong advocate for yourself. And I love that because I think a lot of actors, musicians, artists are their strongest critics all the time. And they forget to advocate for their gifts and their work and their value. How can people, it doesn't matter what business they're in or art they're in or who they are, how can people be stronger advocates for themselves, not in in an egoic way, but in a way that propels them forward as opposed to always, I wasn't good enough or I messed this up or I suck. How do you balance that? Well, number one, I'll say, I'm going to give away a little secret right here, but... (laughs) Um, number one, I say I, both of those things are true, but those, a lot of those artists, the truth is whenever you put yourself out there, whenever you stand up in front of an audience of people, whenever you are auditioning even, but, but especially when you're performing, 
That is you saying that you believe in yourself. That is you saying, I have something of value to offer. And so we just, we don't, you don't often see the pep talks that we give ourselves, you know, we don't show because they're weird. We don't show them. <laughs> we don't show them to people. But you know, it's on the drive over. It's before you step on on for the Super Bowl. You have to believe that you have something to share, something of value to share. You have to believe that. You study any of the greats, you know, any of the people that you love. You realize that you forgive them anything. You forgive them anything. What do you mean? What I mean is those of us that are trying to, to, you know, be great. You study the greats. Yeah. And they weren't perfect all the time. Sammy wasn't perfect all the time. Michael wasn't perfect all the time. Frank, Marilyn. They seem perfect. Nina. You yeah. know, they, you know, but, but Miles. Mm. The whole sort of last third of Miles's career, he is he's exploring the margin because he can play it perfectly. I've already done that though. Where's the rub? What is the you know? Like he's exploring yeah. the imperfect, right? What I'm trying to say is like, what your audience is responding to is not your perfection. What's touching people, what's moving people, is not the fact that you're perfect. Mm. We're responding to your courage. We're responding to the God in you, to the inspiration in you, to the honesty in you, you know, the, the vulnerability in you. We're responding to you bringing us your truth, whatever that looks like. So I guess the answer to the question is like, really analyze what it is you love about your heroes and you'll see these things. And so you'll, you'll have some patience and some, like you'll let yourself alone a little bit because you're on the same path. It's like, yeah. if Miles was here right now, would I care if Miles played a flat note? No, you'd be like, this is amazing. I get to watch my hero. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, if Michael was here right now oh or God. Nina was here right now, would we care if she forgot her lyrics? It's like, Nina, pull them up. Somebody get them on the phone. Yeah, We're not, yeah. We don't care about that. We love you for something yeah. else. And so realize that. Yeah, the energy they bring, the passion. Yeah, it's not yeah. about it's not about perfection. What was your dream growing up? Was it to be a Broadway star? Or was it something else? Once I really had a dream, once you know, once the the rent thing happened, and I and I sort of, because I say it in the book, you know, I mean, my my I did not. My dream was not to be in show business. My dream was to be in Rent. Wow, that was my dream. To be in that musical. To be in that show. Wow, like that's as far as I saw. That's it, and so just the way my life has worked out, you know, that happened. And so then I had to, I really had to dream a new dream. I didn't have any dreams beyond that. You know, it's like that, you know, the Olympics of your dreams, go to the Olympics, I did it. What am I gonna do now? I don't, you know what I mean? Like you sort of have to do that work and like dream a new, and so I think part of me after that had a dream of like, well, I'd love to see what I, cause I jumped in on that moving train, I'd love to see what it feels like to be a part of something like that from the beginning. Mm. And that's what Hamilton Hamilton. was. You were in there from the very beginning, right? Yeah. Didn't you see like an early taping of it or something, an early scripting or? Yeah. And so that's sort of where I find myself, you know, the last few years, the world or, you know, the fans of the show really got to see me living my wildest dream. Wow. 
And so then again, you have to go, who am I? <laughs> what, what do I want that's more than that? Because that really was it. And now you've achieved the second biggest dream. And so do you struggle as well? <laughs> do you struggle with discovering kind a new Because yeah. you're like, okay, I can book anything I want, but what do I really want? Not that you struggle with I can book anything I want. Right. Well, things are coming to me yeah. much easier. Yeah. yeah. It's different, you know, yeah. certainly different now. But yeah, no, you have to um, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you, can, you can have it. And the challenge is, I think Warren Buffett said the difference between successful people and really successful people is that extremely successful people learn to say no more than successful people. Mm. If you want to really achieve your dreams, I think I'm butchering that quote, but if you want to really achieve your dreams, you can't say yes to everything at a certain point. To get to a place, you got to say yes to a lot, and then you got to start saying no to everything to go after that few things that really are meaningful. For sure. You mentioned in your book about dreams. What happens if we dream too small? I mean, I think I just said to you know, it's it's really it is about be careful what you wish for, because you can can get it. And so if you if you dream small, small dreams show up, they do, and you go, oh, it doesn't quite feel like I thought it would feel. So it's it's been really important to me to check in with myself and and ask mm. myself what it what it is I want and why too. Mm-hmm. Also asking why you want the things you want. What is that now, and why? Well, I think what I want, I ain't gonna tell you everything today. <laughs> Give but, me a little teaser, a little well, taste, you know what I mean? I think I would like, the music thing is something that I'm really pursuing and um, I have a sort of vision for how it looks and how it. More jazz stuff or? It is the same lane, the yeah. same lane that I'm in. But um, you know, I wanna expand that and grow that yeah. part of my business. And I would like to do that I don't want to do that to the detriment of my family. Mm-hmm. That makes it, you know, because it's, it's because. So when your daughter, you have, yeah. Yeah, and it's again, it's be careful what you wish for because that, you know. You this, could be traveling all over the world nonstop because people want you. And you can pursue that thing where like you're on the road for two or three years, you know, so I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that, but I do want to um, continue to pursue it because I, because I love it and yeah. it's interesting. Who do you think has done a great job in your industry in doing that? They've pursued the music career, and they have a model that you like, where they have a family and they've got kids, but they're not constantly stressed on the road. I think Buble has done it really well. Mm, Because he kind of comes out like two months a year, it seems like, and just crushes it. He's done it really well, and and I know know, they just had the tragedy with their one kid, Mm -hmm. but he lives in Italy (laughs) with his family. Like, that's where he lives. He doesn't live here. <laughs> he lives in Italy with his family, and he makes his music when he feels called to make it. Wow. He goes on the road, and then he goes back to Italy. He says family. his Christmas specials and crushes it. Yeah. And then, yeah. I think he's found that he could, you talk about saying no, he certainly could do more. Right. I bet there's a lot of people that would love him to do more, that would love to see him all the time. But he, he says no a lot, I think. I think he's done it really well. Wow. I heard also that as... You were developing Hamilton, because it was a couple-year process, right? Yeah. I heard that you got some big gig, TV show, Mm. that was going to pay a lot of money. Yeah. And you essentially had a decision to make. Like, do I go and finally start making some real money with this show and move to L.A. or keep doing this Hamilton thing where I believe in, but who knows what really it could happen. I think it's going to be big. How did you navigate that? 
really talented friend of mine came, called me from New York this week. There's always confirmation too. I remember when I first got to LA and I, you know, was facing all these challenges and stuff and, and I didn't really have anybody to call that had been through them. And I think I say this in the book too, that if you find yourself in that, sometimes you will find yourself mentorless for a moment. And I think that that's because you're walking a path that you will then be able to help somebody. Be the mentor. Be the mentor to somebody. Because it's like, you know, for in your little circle, not you're the first person right. to walk on the moon, but in your little circle or whatever, you know, you're the first person to go through it, these specific things. A guy I really respect in New York called because he's trying to get his concert career started and he's so he just wanted some advice about it. Again, I'm so I'm so honored by a call like that because I get to you know just give somebody some love and pour into them for a second. After I got off the phone with him, I texted him and I said, "There's one thing I forgot. You've made a new decision, and you're. I'm not telling you which way to go, but you, in making a new decision in your life, know that something is going to come to test your resolve. An opportunity is going to come to test your resolve about this new decision, and however you answer that opportunity." will speak to what you really want. I just want, I don't know what the test is gonna be, but like when you say, this is what I want, something's gonna come to say, are you sure? Mm. And that's what that TV show was. Yeah. You say you wanted this theater thing, you know, that, or you wanna be a part of something from the ground up. Okay, here's a whole lot of money and test you. Uh, yeah, a whole lot of money and a chance to, this other thing that you've sort of been pursuing as well, this TV thing, is an opportunity for that, or you can go do an off-Broadway show and make $800 a week <laughs> to be a part of something that you really love, that feels really, really good. Who are you? Who are you? And you have to answer that. I tried to get comfortable with the money. My mom needed a, a new roof and like I, who am I to turn down a half a million, a half a million dollars? Like I, you know, when you, when you have nothing, yeah. like to go make eight hundred dollars, you an idiot. <laughs> go to bed and t are you dumb? Yeah. Like go to bed, take the, job. Take the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the night, I wake up like in a panic attack. Like my body was just like, that's not who you are. Wow. You've never been that guy. Like I can't do that. So yeah. So you felt it. How long did you think on it before you made the decision? maybe two, three months. But after I'd made the decision, then the tricky part was getting contractually getting out of that other thing because I was contracted to do that job. Where you can't do other gigs. Yeah, I was contracted to do that TV show. And Hamilton, I was not technically contracted to do. Hamilton, you know, was the, Hamilton was the gamble in every way. But it was like deciding that I didn't want to do it and then trying to figure out how to get out of it. <laughs> What am I gonna do? It was a stressful. Time. Then I heard you emailed the executive and like pretty much just begged in a sense. You're just like, please let me. Yeah, kind of like it was that thing of um, the troubleshooting. You know, when you call and you're, when your cable's on the fritz, and you call and you're asking for, you know, how to fix my cable. And the first things they say, well, okay, is it on? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, is it plugged in? <laughs> right. Let's check. Plug the, it in the back of the box. Yeah. It's a light on. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like those kind of things, you know, that you start there and you work your way up. That's usually where a lot up. of the challenges are for people. You know, yeah, right. It's like, you press on on your computer first. Yeah. You know, hold it down. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So stuff like that. I had been thinking of all these different ways. How am I going to, you know, maneuver out of this contract? And it was like, 
There was somebody that gave me advice, something, you know, somewhere in there too. But like distilling that piece of advice down was, why don't you just ask? Mm, right. Like before I try to think of the way, and then I'm going to have to hire a lawyer and a pub and just, just right to the source. open your heart. Yeah. Just like go with a humble heart and ask. If, you know, there's probably no way, but start, start there. there. <laughs> start there. And you asked, and what happened? They were like, sure. Right away. And you're like, oh, why did I stress about this? <laughs> they were like, okay. It's like, we got five other people that probably want this gig. Sure. Right? We sad to lose you, but like, if you're crazy enough to turn down a TV show to go do an off-Broadway show for $800 a week, good luck. Right. Yeah. Moron. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out. But then you got the guy tickets or something, right? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it was a thank you. Yeah. You mentioned also, I like this, the work you put in when no one is watching will matter far more than the work you put in when the cameras are rolling. Why is that in your mind? You look at this movie, David's movie right now, Blind Spotting, that everybody in your, in your viewing public and listening public should go see, Rough. Is this on Netflix? No, no. It is in the movie theater this weekend. Promise me you're going to go this weekend. Is it out tonight? Tonight. I will go. It's tonight. I just Saturday, got tickets Sunday. for Skyscraper, but I'm going to have to go now. You have to go to see Blind You can go see I'm sure that's great. Go, yeah, yeah. go see Blind Spotting tomorrow. Night. Yeah, yeah. Or Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Promise. Sunday night. Okay. Tonight or Sunday night. Okay, great. Got great. you. I will text you when I'm done. Okay. In the theater. Perfect. Yeah. It's so fucking fantastic. Wow. And this is what I mean about Work in the Dark. This is a movie they've been writing for 10 years. Really? 10 years. It's like La La Land all over. It was like they seven, were, eight years. They've been working on it for 10 years, and like nobody cared, nobody cared five minutes ago. They were working on a thing, just, just quietly toiling away on this thing that they cared about for 10 years, and then the second David you know, has his moment, they're like, maybe we can make our movie now. And people invested in it, and they made their movie, and it's beautiful, and the 10 years of work shows. Lynn worked on Hamilton for six years. Wow. Six years. So that's what I mean. I just, there is a certain amount of work that we can do once we get a gig or once the cameras start rolling. You can still keep working, but this guy that spends time in the gym, my trainer's here. To, you know what I mean? Like that work that you do before, you know, there's nothing that beats mm-hmm. the work that you do, the good eating that you do, the, the work you do in the Sleep, gym. Sleep, everything, yeah. Before. Yeah. Before it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, stay ready if you can. Stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? Is that what they're saying? That's what they say. That's what they say. You um, I haven't been to the gym in like months. <clears throat> really? So that's why gonna, you're going right after this. You're like, let's go. He's like, what's happening, man? Wow. <laughs> you got to go on the road with him. Get him he up does at, sometimes. Yeah, he does Get him sometimes. up at 6 a.m. Yeah, he does sometimes. Why is it good to be the worst in your class or peer group? Because... You want to train the people that are better than you. You want to be around people. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, I say if you, if you find yourself, if you find a situation where you're the best in your class, or you're the best on the team, like you might you're need to find a new yourself. team. Yeah. You might need to find a new team. You might need to find a new class mm-hmm. because that'll stagnate. That'll cut you off. You just you want to be around people that are going to keep you striving and keep you reaching. Carnegie was like that. The Hamilton Company was like that. You know, I was on stage with Lynn and David Stars. and Oak and Anthony and Jasmine, you know, Philippa. You know, I mean, these people, it's like we made each other better. Wow. And, the, you know, in the best way. And the, they, it was all love, mm-hmm. you know. It wasn't competition. No, no, no. You want to keep up. 
you want to prove that you deserve your spot on the wow. team as well. You know what I mean? Because you're playing, it's all-star. So these were all-stars who were playing for 800 bucks a week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that didn't know that what was going to happen, right? I mean, you guys believed, like, this is going to be amazing. We're going to make it on Broadway, I'm assuming, because you wanted to spend two years of your life for nothing. Yeah. So how did you guys, I mean, it's crazy. The belief you guys had in the vision, how did you keep that belief? We just all... When everyone probably had other opportunities. You know what you know, man. You mm. know the truth by the way it feels. You know what you know. We didn't know that other people would like it, would care about it as much as we did. That you never know. You don't know if it's going to connect with, if other people are going to see what you see. But, but you know like, you loved it. Oh, yeah. Like, I hope you feel about blind spotting the way I do. Yeah. But I know what I think of it. David and Raphael know what they think of it. Wow. <laughs> so you don't know if it's going to connect with a wider group, but it's like when it gives you the goosebumps, when it, when mm. it makes you feel alive, like... That's the juice. Stay there. That's the stay juice. Stay there. What's a song you love to sing the most? It changes, but... Mm -hmm. um, in my concerts, sometimes I do this Duke Ellington joint Come Sunday that I like. I did it on my PBS special. Mm. And yeah, I like it. It's simple and and if it's well placed, if it's well timed in a set, mm. it can really yeah, it can really like drop everybody in the room and feel good. Imagine for a moment you had one last opportunity to sing a line in any song ever written. Your song, another song. And a song in your mind that you okay. haven't even sung yet. Okay. What would be the line of a song if this would be the only thing that you could sing last for the world? Mm -hmm. What would that, that sentence or line or chorus be? I want to thank you for such a simple question. I want, I want to thank you. For <laughs> Without letting you prepare. A, I, yeah, I want to thank you, you for lobbing just a, just, <laughs> a, just a softball at me right there. Or at least the one that maybe comes to mind right now. Maybe that one that's on your mind or on your heart. I got it. Yeah, what would that be? Amen. How would you sing it? You you won't. I can just answer that <laughs> that impossibly hard I question. Imagine the world is listening, um, and this was, and you got to say Amen the way you wanted to. Amen, and then just die. <laughs> I like that. Just drop That's it. powerful. That's powerful. I like it. Why, why amen? What, what does that oh word God. mean to you? I, I think I think as you you hope that there's there's some part of your life that has walked a spiritual journey. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's some part of your life that has like been leading you to where you're supposed to go, you know, so that this whole thing has unfolded like a prayer, like a like mm. a Bible verse, and you know the story of Lewis, the story of you know what I mean, like that it is all played out and worked. We all hope, right, that we die with our family around mm. us and in our garden and at noon. You know what I mean? Like you hope, the sun you know what I mean. Your face, yeah. It doesn't happen for everybody, but you know, if you talk about the way you the way you hope, you know, you hope that that it's had meaning and purpose, and that in the end, you would glean some of that. In the end, you would understand some of that and you would have peace at the end and you would, you know, have resolve. Mm. What's the biggest lesson your wife's taught you through all this? 
she continues to teach me how to be a partner. Mm. She continues to teach me that through her example and also just through her partnership, you know, her companionship. She teaches me and also I learn on my own and she continues to teach me how to show up for somebody. You know, I used to think that it was about partly because of the way I was raised too and like the, the way that my dad the way that my dad thought it was supposed to go. Like yeah, that was my example. example. Yeah. Learning a new thing now. But you know, I used to think that it was about sort of like perfecting someone. You know, with love, but you know, you let pe- sure. you know, you let people know all the different ways that they could be better. Right. <laughs> right. And um, <laughs> that becomes weighing after a while. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, that it really, I think with my dad too, like, it, you know, a lot of that was about like, the more I'm looking at you, the less I have to look at myself. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, so really it's, yeah. you know, spent, spent a good amount of that time pointing right here. <laughs> you know what I mean? You become, you become more, more good with yourself, the better you're going to be for somebody else. But Watching her like have this moment now, like this mm-hmm. you know, her her waitress moment, and getting to support her in that. And, yeah, I might go um, watch her next week. She is the next week. No, dude, she starts September fourth. Ah, uh-huh. so she's there. You you'll come to New York. Come September back October. Six weeks, right? She's yeah. there for eight weeks. Oh, perfect. I'll watch it again. I saw it with Catherine McPhee. She saw Catherine, and it was pretty good. Yeah, she's you pretty see good. Nicolette. She's gonna. Be I'd love great. to see her. Yeah, she's gonna be great. Well, she's singing a duet with you, right? On your didn't I hear? Yeah, we sing all the time. Yeah, we sing yeah. All the time I heard on Spotify. It's beautiful, man. Thanks. Yeah, you guys really connect in that way. I love to watch her on. So when is that going to be? September? September and October, she's there. Go watch Waitress on Broadway. Okay, I've got a few, couple few questions left for you. Okay. Softballs, I'm sure. This, one of them will be, one of them won't be. What do you wish more people would ask you about? Because I'm sure people will ask you about Hamilton all the time, but what's the thing you really wish people would ask you about? I don't have one of those. I'm pretty good at <laughs> I'm pretty good at taking whatever somebody yeah. hands me and like <laughs> talking about what I yeah, want to talk sure. about anyway. So if there's something that's on my heart, I'll stop and if there's something I want to say, I'll stop and interview be like, you know what I really want to say? <laughs> I saw this thing today. Blind spotting. Go, Go see it. it. Like you know what I mean? Like waitress. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good at like that's great. How can uh, our community support you? What's the big things you've got going on? We've got the book. Make sure you guys grab a copy of this book. It's never too late to learn to risk. What else has got going on for you? There's gonna be there's gonna be a record out next year that I believe in very much. Mm. So I, I hope that if they've never heard of me before, or you know, if they listen to stuff now, I hope I hope that people give that record a yeah a shot. Yeah. I'm going to link up your music and stuff. I'm going to link up the video of Seriously. I don't know if that's the the title. That is exactly. It's called Seriously. This video is unbelievable. And you do an amazing job of singing it and performing it. This is called The Three Truths. Again, a a softball for you here. Lobbing it up. So imagine we are at your last day. It's noon. Your family's there. You've got the sun glistening on you in your your garden. and (laughs) And you've achieved everything in your life you want. Every dream, everything you want to do, you, you've had the experiences, you've met the people, you've, you've had the, the life that you want, right? With challenges and heartache, but you're looking back. For whatever reason, you've got to take all of your work with you. Your books, your music, you've got to take it with you when you leave. So no one has access to your words or your music or videos anymore, for whatever yeah. reason. Okay. Hypothetical. Okay. But your family gives you a piece of paper and a pen and says, will you write down 
the three things you know to be true about <laughs> your experiences in life. These are called the three truths. And every, every other guest gets this softball question at the end. So don't worry, you're not alone. And whatever's on your heart right now or on your mind, the three lessons you would leave behind in that moment, what would be your three truths? You're going to find God the quickest and easiest in nature. It's not going to be in your devices. It's not going to be in technology. If you're searching for God, if you're searching for connection, if you're searching for, if you're looking for God, look for him in nature. Mm -hmm. Look for it in nature. Family is everything. Be good to your family. Friends are family too. That's great. Great truth. See, simple one, softball. Before I ask the final question, I want to acknowledge you, Leslie, for your incredible gift and light to the world and your ability to inspire so many people through pursuing the thing that you love to do, even when it wasn't the sexiest or the most financially successful or the greatest opportunity at the time, but you pursuing the thing from your heart and being fully expressed. That's what inspires the world. And I acknowledge you for that. And I acknowledge you continually pursuing those things, pursuing the types of songs you want to sing, pursuing the lifestyle you want to, to live with your family when you could be doing a lot of other things as well. So you're setting a great example for all of us. And I acknowledge you. Yeah. Where can we follow you on social media or uh, your website? What's, what's the best place we can connect and support you? Well, I try to keep it really simple. It's Leslie Odom Jr. everywhere. Everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook too, yeah. Where do you spend the most time? Instagram, Twitter? Um, probably, yeah, Instagram and Twitter and like less and less. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, it's, but it is, it's the new fan mail, right? It's uh -huh. like instead of, instead of people having to like put a stamp on something, they can just let you know, hey, I saw you in this thing and I dig it. So That's cool. So we'll follow you there. And the final question then is, what is your definition of greatness? I mean, this is probably going to be like the lamest answer. But I just think of somebody that's skilled. There's lots of different ways to be skilled. Janis Joplin is skilled in a very different way than Beyonce is mm -hmm. skilled. Rihanna is skilled in a very different way than Michael Jackson was skilled, you know. So, but I, but I look, at, I just look at somebody who's highly skilled. Who's, I think this is what it is. I, I think I'm landing on it because it's about individuality. Mm -hmm. So greatness is maximizing your individuality, max like the fullest potential. I want to see the fullest, most fully realized version of who you are. That's greatness. Mm. My man, Leslie, thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Amen. Powerful. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Big shout out to Leslie Odom Jr. for coming on. Loved this inspirational human, this actor, this artist, this singer. He is a, an empowering creator, uplifting humanity. Again, if you enjoyed this, take a screenshot and share with your friends over on Instagram. Tag me and Leslie Odom Jr. The full show notes are at lewishouse.com slash 677, where you can see all the links that we talked about from today, all the resources over on the show notes, the full video interview. Subscribe to the podcast over on YouTube if you haven't yet. 
We're just about to hit 300,000 subscribers. So if you do subscribe there, thank you. If you don't yet, make sure to get on that so you get notified there as well with all the great behind the scenes and full video interviews. Again, if you enjoyed this, take a screenshot, share with your friends all over the place on social media. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said, perseverance is a great element of success. If you only knock long enough and loud enough at the gate, you are sure to wake somebody. Let's go. It's time to go. And this is the perfect moment for me to share about my show on perseverance. It's taken a long time to get this out. 10 years I've been developing myself and developing an idea for this to come out. Perseverance is the key. If you want to hear the behind the scenes of the talk show launch, you can listen to the previous episode on this podcast as well, where I cover everything behind the scenes. You have an awesome opportunity to achieve great things in your life, but you must be willing to persevere. You must be willing to persevere and continue on. You must be willing to persevere and continue on. I love you so very much. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.